Assalamu alaikum and welcome to another episode of the Dr. Will Show, where I interview educators and entrepreneurs on leveling up. Each episode, I zoom in someone who's dope. We just sit back and have a conversation on what it means to live your best life. Now, if this is your first time checking out the podcast, this is the Mobile University for Entrepreneurs, and I'm your host, Dr. Will. Today's guest is Dr. Sonia. She is, come on, I'm telling you, she's doing the work. I, I look at what she's doing and I'm like, I'm, I'm doing nothing. Uh, she's got the IG reel. She's doing her lives, YouTube channel. She's doing it all. And I wanted to have her on because the work that she is doing, not only does she talk about the whole mindset about starting a business and being on top of your game financially, but her business is teaching other entrepreneurs how to launch for-profit courses. And I want to have her take, because a lot of people who do this stuff are not in education. And I've seen some, some of their courses, and I'm like, this is just, or hear them talk about it, like, this is complete garbage. Uh, <laughs> just for, this is complete garbage. So I want to have her on and talk about her journey and the work that she is doing and give you some gems uh, so that you can embark upon your journey as well. So for those who be listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible, will you please introduce yourself, Dr. Sonia? Absolutely. I don't know how to follow that up. I appreciate that introduction. <laughs> I definitely feel like that was noteworthy. Um, I don't know how to follow that up. So uh, my name is Dr. Sonia. I'm here and um, I have a PhD. Most people ask me what's my doctorate in and it's in human services uh, administration. And so um, I'm just excited. You pretty much summed it up. What I get to do is work with a lot of awesome entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, um, people who are in all sorts of different niches and fields and just helping them to bring their knowledge and their experiences, their expertise to light so that they can each one teach one. You know, that's what it's about. I feel like, you know, that's important in everyone's journey. We're all interconnected. All our journeys are interconnected. And so, you know, I think it's super important and also a super dope process to watch people take their experiences and start to turn it into an online course to teach somebody else, you know, from their mistakes and lessons that they've learned. And then the coolest part about what I do, I think, uh, besides helping people to package their knowledge and get paid for it, is that I get to learn it along the way as well. So I say I'm a lifelong learner, um, not just an educator. And I think that's a part of the education process um, is being able to teach, but also to learn uh, at the same time. And so I'm very blessed to do what I get to do every day. Well, that's all right. So I'm always curious as to how people got to where they are. What did you think you would be doing when you were growing up? And how did you find yourself in education? Oh, man, that is a great question. Um, so I don't often get to tell this story, but growing up uh, for the longest time, since about age seven, I remember I wanted to be a pediatrician. And I just knew that I wanted to help people. And I thought that, you know, being a doctor, I always wanted a doctor in front of my name, behind my name, anywhere it could be. Um, I always had that aspiration, but I knew that I just wanted to help people. And for the longest, I knew that I wanted to help women and children. And so I said, I want 
want to be a pediatrician. And uh, that did not work out very, very well because I got into undergrad and I went in a bio major. I had a counselor in high school who told me the fastest way to becoming a doctor or a pediatrician is going to be to, uh, you know, go into biology or chemistry or something in the sciences. And so I picked biology and I thought that was going to be super cool. And then I was about three and a half years in. Now, you know, the first year of those classes, I went to a um, right in Delaware, University of Delaware. And the first classes that you take as a biology major or a chem major, whatever it is, there are these huge lecture halls there. And really what they're designed to do is to start weeding students out, right? Like, do you really want to do this? Are you sure you want to, you know, become a doctor or go into the sciences? And so there are lecture halls of, you know, 300 to 350 students, and it's easy to oversleep or not go to class, you know, not study and kind of fly under the radar. And so um, I did that my first year, but I made it through, you know, just by the skin of my teeth. And um, I had like a 1.7 GPA, which when I tell people that, they're like, what? <laughs> because I've always been in education, right? Um, and so I had a 1.7 GPA and then I stuck with it and I ended up, you know, enjoying the labs was my favorite part. Um, I really didn't like the book work and having to regurgitate information back on the test, you know, multiple choice answers, uh, so on and so forth. And so, but I wanted to stick with it because I love the labs. I love my chemistry labs at the time, mixing things together. I love cutting things open. Um, when we got to that bloody part, of actually like me holding the scalpel <laughs> and cutting things. I was like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> I want to see what's inside. I want to explore all that stuff. But at the same time, I wasn't with the blood and the guts. And so um, that's when I started to switch over. I'd taken a lot of humanities classes, um, women's studies, Black American studies classes. And so I decided I had enough credits to switch my degree to women's studies. And I did a minor in psychology. And so it was around that time that I really started thinking different that, hey, maybe like being a pediatrician isn't the only way to help people, right? I started again exploring the humanities and really starting to like figure out that I just wanted to help humans. And so um, I stumbled across a degree that I did not know existed, which is the human services uh, degree. And people ask me, what's that? And I'm like, it is exactly what it sounds like, a services geared to helping humans. And so it was a broad enough um, degree program that allowed me to kind of venture into a lot of different things, you know, and I went into the concentration of administration um, and that's where I kind of found myself really wanting to educate people, really wanting to show people and teach people um, about what it is that I knew, but also like connecting people with other people and resources so that they could continue that learning. Um, and then along the way, I won't get too deep into it, but my mom had a uh, nonprofit. And so I also started teaching under her nonprofit. I started putting together seminars and workshops and youth retreats, and we've done emotional healing retreats and, you know, clothing drives, food drives, all sorts of stuff I was putting together, um, again, for helping people, educating people, teaching people, getting people the services that they needed. And so that's really where I got my start. It kind of everything kind of happened for me, kind of fell in my lap, I like to say, you know, where it started to all uh, kind of make sense. So, all right. So I'm an educator in, in K through 12 and the primary audience for this podcast are educators who are also in K through 12, some of whom are actually out there presenting, consulting, some are offering courses, uh, 
some are writing articles for EdTech magazines, et cetera. And then we have those who, you know, I, they listen and they'll hit me up or hit others up like, yo, how do you do that? How do you do that? Uh, you are the founder of Jump First. What made you actually take the leap into combining your knowledge and education and through entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship and what attracted you to online courses? Oh man, another good question. So, so probably since about 2014, I've been telling people online courses were going to be it. And everybody thought, you are crazy. There is no way. Nobody values online education like they do the traditional education. And then I started seeing degree programs that were offering hybrid um, opportunities for students to take online classes uh, and face-to-face -face classes. And then I actually went into a degree program, uh, my doctorate degree, where I was able to do hybrid as well, like a combination of online classes and meeting my professors and my uh, peers face-to-face -face at these, what they call residencies. So the residencies were all over the place. Um, I attended one in Florida, Texas. They even had some in Paris. I didn't get to go to Paris. I would have liked to. Uh, but that was super cool to me and I was like oh my gosh like giving people the opportunity and having done so myself to continue living life right earning uh wages working your nine to five um and you know I knew people who had children and families who were able to continue their everyday life while still going to school and I thought that was super super cool and so I explored that myself in my own degree uh trainings um but then also you know just taking a look at it from the outside and again like I said knowing people who were able to balance home life and education that was super important to me and so when I decided to take the jump what really pushed me to take the jump and I always say in order to fly you must jump first uh, that's super important and so jump first was founded on faith so being a youngster, I grew up in church. Um, and so, you know, it was one of those things where Hebrews 11, one was, has always been like the foundation of my life, I feel like. And um, it's now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so I knew that in coming up with Jump First and naming my programs this and naming uh, my businesses, it was important to me that faith be the foundation. And I started to think about, you know, how can I give a message to someone to have faith and to jump if I don't do it? And so it got to the point where I was working my nine to five and I wasn't being paid my worth. Um, I was not being appreciated. A lot of my hard work that I was doing on these jobs and in these companies for somebody else's dream was just kind of like, you know, there was no that's what's up. That's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate you. Like there was none of that. I've had commission checks snatched from me. That was the last straw for me. I was like over it. I've been fired for, you know, not setting up coffee and water or not telling my manager that there was a clock on the wall that needed a battery, just silly things, you know? And, um, I remember walking into work and I don't, I tell this story, but I don't tell it very often. Um, and I don't feel, I didn't feel any shame at the time no humiliation really, but I walked into work and um, I had been on this job for about three and a half years. And this was the first time I was gonna be officially fired. I had resigned from opportunities before, um, you know how you give your two weeks and they tell you, oh, well, you could just leave today. Uh, so that's happened to me before, but never officially fired. And so this time I did not tell this job that I got my PhD because it was not a very um, great work environment. <laughs> 
at the time. And I know that we've all been there. And so um, one day I decided it was time. So we're sitting at this conference room table and we are hiring for an executive chef, a chef instructor. I was managing a culinary training program at the time and um, we're hiring for the chef instructor. So this guy comes in to interview. It's myself, uh, the director of the program, and then uh, the CEO of the company. And so as we're sitting there, the CEO basically asks this guy a question about his education. And then after he gives his answer, she says, well, we don't really determine whether you're hired or not based on education. I don't know if you know or not, but Sonia here has been getting her PhD forever. Now, when I came into um, that particular role, um, I had been getting my PhD and they knew I was working on it. But at that time, they didn't know that I had gotten it. So everybody, the whole table starts laughing. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they're laughing at me. So I sat there calmly, quietly, waited for the laughter to stop. And I said, actually, I got my PhD. And that was like one of the proudest moments of my life. <laughs> I was super excited to say that you could hear a pin drop on that carpeted floor. And then shortly after that, about two weeks later, of course, you know, the write-ups start coming and they're like, okay, well, you got to go. And so that's when I, you know, really started to think about how can I do what I need to do for myself? Like I'm knowledgeable enough. I have these experiences. How can I start to form a business around this? And then I went on to have like two additional jobs after that, but um, they didn't last either one of those, they didn't last past a year because it was just something pulling at me. You know how you get that feeling, like that urge, like you got to do something else. There has to be more to, to life. And I started thinking, you know, first I was like, I want to earn six figures. You know, I'm getting my PhD. I want to grow to six figures and get this corporate job. And that's what they tell you to do. And then I'm like, why would I settle for that? And is there a job that would ever pay me a salary of a million dollars or more? And uh, when the answer came back, no, not really. Um, I knew that I needed to do this for myself. I was just tired. And so I needed to do something different. So that's where um, I jumped and just kind of took off from there. Mm. Now, walk us through what your company does and why would an educator who is out there and let's say they're already speaking or they're presenting at conferences or they just signed a book deal. Why would they want to sell a course? Oh, that is really, really good. Um, so what we do inside of Jump First, Jump First is a way for people to discover different pathways to success, right? Something, things that are not traditionally talked about. Um, and again, it comes from my own experience of people calling me crazy, thinking I was like ridiculous for thinking that online education would ever really become this big. And, you know, the people I talk to these days who ask me what I do, they're like, I cannot believe that you thought of that before COVID. <laughs> and I'm like, yep. <laughs> my business started back in 2018. And I think that the number one reason I work with a lot of um, speakers, authors, writers, uh, people in so many different niches. And I think the number one reason that people should create an online course, in my opinion, and the number one reason that the people I get to work with create courses is for the freedom. You know, it's the three freedoms I always talk about are freedom of time, location and finances. First of all, the earning potential for online courses is uncapped, like literally um, billion with a B. I think it's a prediction for 2026 is supposed to bring in about $325 billion. However, this prediction was made back in 2014 
pre-COVID. And so it's like at this point, <laughs> you know, with COVID happening, we're starting to see an uptick in online course sales, but not just online course sales, just online business in general. And so we're moving into this year. The prediction is that we're going to hit a trillion dollars for, you know, online marketing, right? Online uh, purchases and buying and all of that stuff. And so right now is the time to really start marketing digital products, info products. Um, another reason that people do this, aside from the freedom that I brings, right? That's the financial freedom is the ability to just work from anywhere. You know, you don't, when you're doing what you love, and that's what I love about online courses is I like to help people combine passion and, and expertise, right? And when I say expertise, some people get thrown off because they're like, I'm, what am I an expert in? I'm not an expert in anything really. And it's like, no, but you are because your experiences make you the expert. And the word expert, when we take a look at it, doesn't mean you know all there is to know about a particular subject or topic. It just means that you know a little bit more than most people know about that topic. And so you can be an expert and your experiences validate that expertise and that knowledge. And so when you're doing something that you love and you're combining that with your own unique experiences, and these are experiences, obviously no one else can tell your story the way that it's supposed to be told, right? That's on you um, because you've lived it. And so when you're doing that, it doesn't feel like work anymore. You know, so there's that additional freedom, that additional burden, just kind of lifted off where you're not working for somebody else's dream. You're not working based on, you know, someone else's standards or definition of this role that they kind of mold you or try to fit you into. And I think that that is just so freeing for a lot of people to kind of just step outside of that box and truly, truly be able to be yourself. And so being able to work on your passion from anywhere, you know, I mean, that's amazing. That's that laptop lifestyle that I think everyone is looking for. I talked to a lot of people who, you know, at the start of COVID, they're like, yes, I get to work remote, but then talking to them, you know, three months later or, you know, six months later, they're like, I still hate my job. <laughs> this. I still don't want to show up. And so I think that um, no matter what level you are at, whether it's um, as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, maybe you're still working a nine to five, um, online courses bring you a new sense of freedom. Because now we're not just talking about impact of one-to-one, -one, we're talking about the impact of one-to-many. And again, even though it sounds so corny, it's like, you know, each one teach one. And so when you're teaching somebody else what it is that you know, number one, they get to avoid the mistakes. They get to save the energy, save the time, save the money, right? That, you know, they would have had to burn trying to do it themselves and try to figure it out. And then on top of that, once they understand what it is that you know, they're able to apply it to their lives and then teach somebody else from their own unique experiences. And, and so, you know, it's like this ever evolving circle of interconnectedness and goodness and just awesomeness. It's just super freeing to, you know, create online courses and not only create online courses, but take it a step further and start creating businesses around online courses. I think that that is where you start to get generational prosperity and wealth um, and easier and faster, in my opinion, and I'm biased, but I've seen it over and over again uh, than any other uh, opportunity or platform out there. Mm. So how does someone, you know, figure out that topic, right? Particularly, again, you know, my audience, education is what they do. They're in the classroom or they're coaching teachers or they lead a school or they have my job where they're teaching teachers and others in the school district how to implement the technology purchased. How do they figure that out? And should they, in designing a course, bring in, let's say, wraparound services where they include 
some sort of coaching program or uh, some sort of teleservices where they actually speak to people? Or should it just be, here's a course and I walk away? Oh, that hurts every time I hear people say that. So my entire dissertation was on mentorship and the importance of it. And so I truly believe that every premium course, at least I deal a lot with premium courses. So a lot of my clients are not pricing their courses below about a thousand dollars or so. I have some, I know, I No, listen, where the money resides, okay? Uh, but no, seriously, though, um, I have some clients who come in and they start out at, you know, a 597 course. And then immediately after that first course, that first cohort, they're like, mm, I need to raise my prices. And I'm like, I told you. Because what happens is you're teaching from your experiences. Again, finding your topic really has to do with what are you passionate about? What do you know a lot about? You know, do not go into creating your own online course for your business or for yourself, right? Like you're removing yourself from this box. So why restrict yourself? Why put yourself back into that box? Like, no, be as creative as you want to be. Think about what you really do enjoy, right? Because you don't want to be burnt out teaching your first course. You're not going to want to do it anymore. You're definitely not going to want to build a business around it. You know, um, I know that you said some of your listeners are entrepreneurs. So we know what it is like to, you know, run a business and um, it takes some work. It takes some effort. It takes some elbow grease there. Uh, and then you, you got to go with the ebbs and the flows. And so you definitely don't want to be doing something that you are not passionate about. So finding your first topic, I always say, your passion and your expertise combined is going to be your most profitable course topic because you're going to be able to teach people from what it is that you know, and you're going to feel good and confident when you're doing it. And so you really need to start to think about what's my passion, what's my expertise, and how can I combine the two um, to develop a very profitable course topic? Mm. So to that, when you're just, because this is what gets me when I see a lot of people out there who say, hey, um, these online courses, how to do this, do this, and they'll charge. You know, I ain't calling nobody names out there, but I look at premium, I go, oh my gosh. I say, I could buy me a new furnace and and, and AC unit for what they charging out here. <laughs> but when I look at that and I'm going, and I'm not saying that they... Okay, I'm trying to put this as as uh, best I can. <laughs> they don't come from the background that I come from. Mm-hmm. So, being in education, I am seeing teachers teach with technology. I'm designing courses for teachers. I'm training teachers. And I'm reading about this stuff, right? And so for me, when you're trying to design an engaging course, right? It should be actionable. Uh, It shouldn't, you should be able to give feedback to people. You should be able to look at the work they're doing and and provide guidance. And there should be some sort of of, of back and forth dialogue or, or what have you. Because a lot of stuff I see earlier when I mentioned to you earlier about I've seen stuff where it's like video, video, PDF, video, PDF, video, PDF, and then that's <laughs> it. And they're charging bank for this stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. who is paying for that? 
because I could have Google Dash on my own. I don't need, I could have gone YouTube and searched, but I'm paying for a course because I want some, like I want some guidance. I want some mentorship. I want someone to, to, to let me know that I'm headed in the right direction and, and, mm-hmm. and to be able to go, okay, I see this here, but you might want to do this versus that. So what, when you're talking to, to, to people, what goes into all of that in terms of designing that course where it is actionable and people are going to complete it as opposed to a lot of people out there who they bought courses from Udemy and Udacity and all that stuff and they don't even complete it. Mm-hmm. Man. Okay. So it's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot of questions, but I'm going to answer this the best I can. The number one thing is mentorship, right? And I feel like that's why people just, you hit it on the nail. You know, I'm the same way. I'm looking for hands-on. I want somebody in my face telling me, you know, this is the right direction. That's not the right direction. Maybe you should do it this way, tweak it that way. I need the coaching. I need the support. I need the accountability. I need all the stuff. There are some learners though, who don't necessarily need that. Right. And so DIY might be the way for them to go. And so there are a couple of different levels um, inside of Jump First for different learners, right? Mm -hmm. Different learning styles. So there are some people who can consume and digest, you know, video, 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 PDF, video, video. um, And we still charge a premium price for that because, again, it's still your experiences, your knowledge that are going into that. But then there's a next level where you're starting to charge more for your time right, for the time that you are spending to really pour into people, because, I mean, we know as educators, as entrepreneurs, like, that can be draining, like, we love to do it, but we got to recharge, take some time and recharge after that, because um, it's the mentorship, right, it's a hands-on, hands in the clay, helping people create, and I love to do that, Um, but I think that that's the number one way to get your course uh, more engaged, if you're looking to engage your participants, you know, you got to get in there, and you got to serve, and so that's super important to me, is number one, include mentorship, include some form of coaching inside of your courses. Um, I think to your Second point, again, the DIY, right? Yes, you can go YouTube it, but the reason people pay for courses is to get the shortcuts, right? Like they want the answers right away because if we go YouTube in and a lot of people have or should have degrees from YouTube University and Google University. (laughs) I know I was guilty when I first started. I was like, how can I Google this? How can I YouTube this? And go into different webinars and masterclasses. And I was just exhausted at the end of the day because I felt like I was just running around in circles. And so that was right before I decided I'm going to invest in a mentor. I'm going to invest in a coach. I'm going to invest in someone who is doing the thing. I made a post today over on uh, Instagram and I was basically talking about, I think it was a real, I was basically, you know, talking about there's a difference between hanging around people who are going to show you how to make money, how to make profit, how to gain freedom and make impact and hanging around people who just have money or who just talk about what it is that they're doing. You know, you want to be around the people who are going to show you, who are going to guide you, who are going to mentor you, who are going to hold you and take you by the hand and really say, okay, here's how we do this. And so I always get the question from a lot of folks, what's the difference between coaching and mentorship? Because I talk talk a lot about coaching and mentorship being in all of my programs. And for me, your coach is like a personal cheerleader is someone who's going to go, yes, you got this. You could do this. Let's go. And yeah, they're going to give you the blueprint, but they're really going to hype you up, right? It's like your hype man. And then you have your mentor who's hyping you up, but is like, hey, let me take you by the hand and show you how to go to this step. All right, you ready for the next step? Cool, let's go there, right? And so your mentor is kind of like the perfect analogy for this. It's kind of like this person who is guiding you through a minefield, 
if you will. You know, would you rather go through that minefield on your own or would you rather hire someone who's been through the minefield, understands where to step, where not to step, right? Where not to make the mistakes and spend the energy, time, money wasted on, you know, just spin your wheels and going in circles or would you rather just have somebody there to go, hey, let's go here, all right? Next step, let's go here, right? Next step, go here, just follow me and I got you, right? And so there's like that coaching and the mentorship is so important to me for us to start to combine those inside of our programs so we can really have courses that are effective because you're absolutely right, no names, right? But I have seen courses that are just not getting people results. And it's like, well, what are we doing this for at the end of the day, you know? Mm. So obviously you can't put everything in a course, so what are your rules for what content should be included in a course and what should be excluded? Yeah, that's a really good point. So the easiest way I can say this is you need to focus on what the outcome of that course is for your student, right? Like where are they looking to go to? And understanding like, no, we can't jam it all in. Think about mm -hmm. it this way. You have decades worth of experiences, right? Like most of us listening to this have some decades of experiences. Even if you're 10 years old and you're listening to this, you have at least one decade worth of experiences. And so, you know, it's one of those things where would you jam pack, you know, 10 years worth of information into an eight week course? No, not possible. Mm -hmm. It took you 10 years to learn it, right? And so we yes. don't want to overwhelm for folks. And that's one of the reasons that uh, courses are ineffective. It's too much information. And when people are overwhelmed, they stop, they, they quit, they don't want to do it anymore. Um, and it's just over, right? And so that's where the coaching, the mentorship, uh, that accountability piece definitely comes in. Uh, but you just want to take into consideration when you're creating your content, where are your students trying to go and don't jam it all into one course. There are levels to this, as they say, right? There are levels to courses as well. And that's the reason we have beginner, intermediate, intermediate, advanced level courses and so on and so forth. It's the same structure, you know, you can kind of take a look at, even though we do need to change traditional education, and that's the reason I created my platform, Jump First, is because traditional education is super outdated. And so we need new ways to be able to teach people concepts very quickly so that they can go out and implement very quickly. So uh, traditional education typically just gives you the knowledge, right? But knowledge without application. So people, a lot of people say knowledge is power. Like, no, the application of knowledge is power, right? And so knowledge without application is just what? And so what Jump First, inside of Jump First, what we do inside of my programs is I'm here to teach you without the fluff what you need to do, teach you the concept, show you how to execute it, and have you execute along the way so that at the end, you have this massive result, but you've been getting little results along the way that you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so you want to do the same thing with your courses as well. Help your students just get to their next level. Right? You don't have to help them eat the whole pie at one time, but help them get that first slice out of the way so that you can help them get to the next and the next and the next. So you've mentioned it here about premium courses. And I've had someone on my podcast before who only does premium. And when you mentioned like a, a dollar amount earlier, I was like, Hoo -hoo. because <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, that that is, that's a, that's a doozy of a cost for me, right? I, I, woo, like it would never even occur to me to charge something like that. Uh, I don't, I'm just like, oh, oh my gosh. Uh, what goes into 
creating right a a a premium uh online course right and on top of that how does someone get over the mindset of pricing or charging in a way that they can say let's go premium Mm-hmm. That's a really, uh, really good question. And it's a problem. I won't say it's a problem, but it's a um, an obstacle, a roadblock that a lot of my clients faced initially. And um, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you got to get out of your own way. Think about it this way. Your experiences, um, your story is your story. There's no one else on this planet, no one else on this earth that can tell it the way that it's supposed to be told or the way that you can tell it everyone, and I'll give you a prime example, um, grew up in a household, same mom, same dad, two younger sisters. I am the oldest and it is very interesting and entertaining all the time. And so um, in this household, that means my younger sisters and I were in the same places, same time, right? A lot of the time growing up, my mom and dad are from Pennsylvania. We were living in Delaware. So I think my mom and dad were a little bit like homesick at some point when I was younger. And so we traveled a lot back and forth and it would be like an hour long drive to and an hour long drive back wherever we were going. And so we ended up in the same places, same time, a lot of the time, very often. However, if you come to each of us and you ask us about a particular day, time, or event, what happened, right? We're all going to give you maybe a similar account, but it's going to be slightly different because what we heard was different. What we saw was different. And we see this all the time on like those cop shows, <laughs> right? And those investigative shows. It's like, you know, people see different things, people hear different things, and people definitely feel different things. And so I like to tell people, you know, your experiences, no one can say or tell that or, you know, um, perceive that in the way that you did at the time. So it's your job to tell your story. It's your job to package your unique experiences, your unique skill sets, those things that you've been through into this opportunity to teach other people, which is through premium online courses. So the way that we can make it premium is that there's no one else that can do this like we do it. Even if someone is teaching a similar topic or a subject, like they're not going to be able to do it like you. And so, you know, you deserve all of the things we've all paid for this knowledge and experience in some way, right? Whether it's trauma, psychological, physical, um, emotional, like we've been through things or we've paid the traditional route, paying for college, right? Uh, Or training courses. So we've all paid the price to learn what it is that we know. Why can't we charge a premium price for it? And so, you know, the other thing that I I want us to start thinking about is why are we so quick to invest in, you know, traditional education or all of these other things? You're always investing in something. And so I always tell my clients, you know, you got to invest in in you at some point and you got to do it intentionally. And so when you start to think about what is the true return on investment for the folks that I'm going to be serving? You know, and it's not doesn't necessarily need to be a, a monetary return. Right. But it needs to be some return on investment that is either worth way more than money or someone's going to make their money back. Right. And you have a proven way to do that. And so the reason you get to charge premium is, yes, based on your experiences, your knowledge, your skill sets. But also, again, you need to have an effective course that's actually getting people results. Right. We're not just putting fluff courses out here. We are actually getting people results. And when you do that, you can charge a premium price. Mm. So now we'll talk about, okay, your course is done. Or I've heard people say, listen, let's say you do one module 
and you pre-sell it before you finish it so that when you're done, you got folks coming in, you got money coming in, you're not waiting to sell it when, you know, it's complete and you're just sitting around going like, okay, where's my money? <laughs> when you're talking about pre-selling, speak to some of the ways that people can actually do that. Mm, that's really good. Um, so the number one way is just to focus on your outcome, focus on your results. Like that's what's going to get people in the door. People do not care about, you know, how many modules is it? How often are we going to meet? Like they're not concerned necessarily with the features. So there's a difference between your features and your benefits. Your features are all like those shiny bells and whistles, you know, how you package the course. However, people, when they're buying, when they're making a decision to buy, they're trying to leave typically some sort of pain like they are trying to be out right and so they're looking for benefits what is the benefit of me taking this course and that's the number one thing that you got to think about when you're pre-selling most of my clients don't ever I always advise them do not touch your content until you have pre-sold this course because once you pre-sell the course, once you get peeps and seats is what we call it inside of jump first once you get those peeps and seats they're going to tell you what to put in the course Right? They're going to tell you what it is that they need the most help with. And then you draw from your experiences to teach them that piece that they need. That's how you get people to the next step. Right. And so that's the whole name of this game, uh, so to speak, is really, again, getting people results. That's the way we can pre-sell courses. Now, you can go out and you can use Facebook ads if you want to. I don't recommend it. I lost a lot of money doing that when I first started and I did it that way. I was like, let me jump in the Facebook ads because shiny object syndrome, SOS. Right. I'm watching everybody else run Facebook ads and get peeps and seeds and enroll their students and all this stuff. They didn't tell me everything that was going to be involved on the back end of running Facebook ads. It's hard. It's hard, especially if you don't know who your audience is. And so I lost somewhere between 30 and 50 grand on Facebook ads. I stopped counting. I know. I know. I stopped counting at about 10,190 bucks. I will never forget that number. <laughs> Lost that money, was not making a return on investment, right? And mind you, at this time, this was after I'd taken the jump. After I quit my nine to five, I was like, I'm done with y'all. I'm gonna figure this out. I had a little bit of savings. Um, and I was like, I'm running Facebook ads. I'm gonna get this done. No, that's not how it goes. Um, and so we don't wanna go that route. What I teach my clients, where I teach them to start is organic reach. I mean, think about it like this. Now, right now, times are so different. We have the opportunity mm -hmm. to go direct to consumer. Why would we not do that? And for free on free apps. Why would we not do that? But the number one thing stopping a lot of people is fear, fear of I'm going to look dumb or I'm going to look silly or people are going to laugh at me or not take me serious or I'm going to mess up and I'm going to make a mistake. Everyone makes the mistakes. I still make mistakes. <laughs> I think today I posted a reel and I was talking about my mentor and I was like, oh my gosh, he bought out uh, Harry Potter World at Disney. And somebody immediately was like, Harry Potter World is at Universal Studios. It's not at Disney. And I laughed about it because I'm like, that is hilarious because that is very true. <laughs> and those two companies are not connected. Um, they are not owned by the same, um, they're not the same owned company. Uh, and so I was like, oh man. So I decided to laugh it off. And it's one of those things, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. You're going to, you know, fail sometimes, but it's okay because you just get back up and dust yourself off and keep it pushing. You know, uh, at some point, whoever it is that you are supposed to be reaching, your audience is for you. 
Your audience is always for you, but you got to show up with your secret sauce and be yourself. And that's how you're going to find your audience and start to be able to pre-sell your online course. Mm. So before we go, what is your call to action for that educator who is out there currently delivering face-to-face training? They are, they have a book out, they're speaking, they're at the conferences, they're thinking about creating courses, particularly now, as you know, we, we, we got the Omicron and we may get a Decepticon and all kind of stuff <laughs> coming up around here. Tell me about it. Right. And <laughs> they're seeing, in some cases, more digital opportunities come up. I know for me last summer, I got gigs for doing trainings via Zoom where normally I would be at a school site face-to-face, I'm at the house. And I'm telling you, when I could make money from the house, <laughs> the last summer was a good summer. But That's right. <laughs> for, for, for those educators, though, they're trying to figure out, should I do this? Given that everything they've been doing has been face-to-face. And as things are starting to open, open up a bit, but they're kind of going, mm, I don't know. What do you say to them to get them to start to sort of really think about that they need to go ahead and, and jump on this opportunity? Oh my goodness. Untie yourself. Freedom. It is straight freedom. And like you said, it's the flexibility that comes with that. So again, freedom of time, location, finances. I mean, I know what goes into going to speaking events, you know, keynotes, um, face-to-face training. There's a lot of prep that goes into that, right? There's travel time, there's printing stuff off, there's, you know, handouts and whatever it is that you need to kind of um, gather for your audience. And I feel like when you do it digitally and also your reach is, is limited, right? When you're facing to face only so many people can fit in a particular space and time and so um i feel like the first thing is untie yourself give yourself the freedom to be able to number one book more gigs <laughs> reach more people make more impact right and then make more money as well you can make so much more money by reaching folks because once you create your course you only need to do the work the majority the bulk of the work one time after that, it is smooth sailing. It's, you know, I maybe show up for uh, Q&A sessions or uh, implementation sessions, you know, maybe once a week, once a week for an hour. And that's it. But the majority, the framework of my courses, they're all already established. Right. And so you are able to take back so much more of your time to be able to do what it is that you want to do when you want to do it, how you want to do it. And your paycheck does not stop like your PayPal still dings, your Stripe account still dings. Right. As people are enrolling in your programs and your courses, that's not like money in your sleep money, right? Like that's where we want to get to because that's where the freedom comes. And I heard it one time from, um, who was I looking at online? I forget who it was that I was looking at, but I was looking at someone and they said, you know, you spend the money, spend the money that is, spend the, spend your money from the money that is, um, 
working for you in a sense, right? So this isn't like your, your money that you're actively going to get. This is the money that you are making off of the money that you're making, right? You spend that money and that's the level of freedom and the level of wealth that comes with online courses. It's the easiest way, the fastest way to get where you're going, freedom of time, location, and finances. And so it's giving yourself a break, giving and releasing all of the tension and the stress that can come with face-to-face and being online. And I feel like uh, being online is not only freeing for you, but it's freeing for so many other people that you're going to impact and you're going to reach. A lot of people are looking for the ease and the comfort of learning something new and being able to immediately execute. And so also what comes into play with online courses is you're typically able to charge an even higher price point, right? So premium prices, and then your expenses are not eating into what you just made like it is with a face-to-face course. And so it's super important. Now, if you're interested in figuring out how to get started or dipping your toe in the water, as I like to say, um, then I do have a program. I have a program, a training, a five-day training right now um, called the Nine to Thrive Movement. And it's for folks who are looking to kind of figure out if online courses are for them, figure out what all is involved. It's an introductory course to online courses. How do I create it? What's going to be my topic? How do I establish my expertise? Uh, We also go into who's my audience? What should the content of my, what should the framework of my content look like? And how do I start to pre-sell the course? So the whole goal of the Nine to Thrive Freedom movement is to really show people that, hey, online courses are the easiest and fastest way to your freedom. And if you don't believe me, come find out for seven bucks. So it is seven bucks to sign up at nine to thrive movement.com. Again, it's nine to thrive movement.com. And I've been having a lot of fun over these five days um, <laughs> with folks. Um, and so to figure out when the next one is, the, the link is nine to thrive movement.com. And then the dates are there and all the awesome stuff. But it's a great way to figure out if online courses are for you to figure out what your topic is to figure out how you are actually going to make this work for you. So I'm enjoying it. I'm having a lot of fun. Um, And again, the goal is to get you to see that you can pre-sell your course before you decide to go all in. All right. All right. Dr. Sonia, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate this. I had a lot of fun. You're welcome. You're welcome. Now, people, you know how I do this. This podcast episode is going to be on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Simplecast, Stitcher, Spotify, and Audible. Though I am on all major podcast platforms, I need you to subscribe to Apple Podcasts. I need you to listen. I need you to give me the stars and can a brother get some reviews because I'm trying to be found and I'm trying to get Oprah on the show right? Oprah people. I'm trying, cause I gotta, I gotta talk to her about those million. Well, no, the billions. We got to get into that money talk. So for the, so again, I'd like to thank you for checking out uh, another episode of the Dr. Will show. And I'd like to thank my guest, Dr. Sonia for coming on and dropping so many gems. As always, people invest in you, EDU, peace.